0: Welcome to a very special episode of Generation of X. I'm Jeremy Ratchford, a.k.a. Banshee, from the Generation X movie.
1: During the whole making of X-Men and the casting of X-Men, I was there in the production offices. Listen, I've had it with you. Can't you just (laughs) be happy that she's back from the dead? No. The metaphor's still there, Mm -hmm. but also when you make things explicit you have all this new room for story.
2: To begin the series with Magneto. Okay, that's his point of view, but he he might not be wrong. You know, and Xavier's got his point of view and he might not be wrong. When
0: I met Stan, he was very gracious and, and very kind and
2: really just such a, you could tell his aura. He had such a huge heart. I love Doug Ramsey so much. I cannot open up this issue. The cover has me so nervous. You
0: know, you would never put Storm in a ponytail. That would be
1: or weird. You could, but it that would be, be, be many weird. <laughs> but
0: giving it to Jean kind of made her even more, you know, the girl next door that everybody
1: could talk to. Dazzler, who is so hidden in the current DOX books that even Kylie Minogue isn't worried about copyright infringement. <laughs>
2: Welcome to Generations of X, the podcast where we discuss the past,
1: present, and future of all things X-Men. I'm your co-host, the Uncanny Dayspring. And I'm your other co-host, the Adjectiveless Flinkman. And y'all, we have got an incredible episode for you today. We've got one of the headmasters of the Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters with us today. From the 1996 TV movie, Generation X, we have Banshee himself, Mr. Jeremy Ratchford. Hey, Jeremy, how are you? How about the morning to you? <laughs> a little banshee. Uh, Top of the morning, to you as well, sir. The Irish Sonic Screamer. One one of the best reviews I
0: heard about my accent in Generation X someone said that uh, Ratchford's Irish accent makes him, uh, uh, makes him a shoe in for the next Irish Spring commercial. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jeremy, and we are celebrating 25 years of this movie. It's. Mind-blowing! We remember seeing you in that movie, in the Generation X movie back in 1996, and you did that sonic scream, and we were blown away, like, literally. Banshee was at the forefront of the X-Men books. There was no comic book more popular than Generation X, and you were Banshee. How can anyone top you as Banshee?
0: When I did the scream in the movie, uh, when the the kids are rolling around, when you see Banshee scream for the first time, I did a thing where I... Uh, Blew the smoke off my guns and put them back in my uh, fake holsters. And I got word that Stan Lee just absolutely loved that. And it was like the coolest thing to have the creator like, you know, this little modification that
1: I did, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And and just to be clear, I don't I don't think it's possible for for anybody out there to 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 top you as Banshee. Can I ask you Can I ask you a
2: question though? Before we dive into Generation X, you were on Buffy. You were in two episodes of Buffy, yeah. And you were in season two, and your character was a vampire, and he was able to walk away not being staked by Buffy, and then he came back in season three. And once again, Cordelia Charisma Carpenter, like, gave you her voice and you walked away absolutely alive and well. You're one of the few vampires to be on Buffy and not get staked.
0: Uh, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it's my, my honor. Uh, Lyle Gorch, the spineless redneck vampire. Yeah. Um, first they killed my brother and then they killed my wife.
2: Yes! <laughs> <laughs> what was it like? What was the vibe like on Buffy? Uh, I had a great time,
0: uh, and, uh, uh, oh God, the, 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 oh, his name escapes me. Uh, Greenwald. Oh, David Greenwald. Yes. Yeah. David Greenwald. He directed both my episodes and, uh, I just had a blast with him. Um, uh, just like to tell a little set story. I, there's a point where, they described it and said the camera is going to go down the body of my bride and they're going to see that she's dead and it's going to find my feet and go up to my face. And he was around the corner and he said, uh, okay, Jeremy, uh, uh, I'm going to say a camera and the camera's going to do this and it's going to go there. And, and then when I say Jeremy, uh, you say your line. And I, I sat there, okay. So when you say, yeah, yeah, when I say, when I say action, the camera's going to do this and then I wait till I say Jeremy. And when I say Jeremy, you say your line. I said, so when you say Jeremy, and he kept thinking, and I'm smiling because the crew can see me, but he can't. So he just keeps trying to describe what he wants me to do, and I I got it. I know what I'm doing. But he was around the corner, and it, it was one of those classic moments of when the penny finally dropped for him. I'm like, oh, you motherfucker! <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was winding up. So wait, who
2: was who 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 was scarier in your in your mind? Was was Buffy with her steak scarier or was Cordelia with her vicious words scarier?
0: Well, I tell you, I remember that day uh, because I've got to go to a boil. Uh, the thing with Wild Gorch is he gets absolutely pissed off and he goes later. Um, <laughs> and she had to say those lines and during my close up. She kept going up on her lines. She mm. kept and then she called cut twice mm. uh during my close up. Um and again I've got to I gotta get to this frantic place. So on the third take when I saw she was stumbling again in character, I just said, Pick up your script and read it off the fucking page.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was this foot to to Buffy or Cordelia? To to charisma. Oh uh, charisma. is yeah. so great
0: and uh her eyes just kind of went like this she did pick up her script it was like don't call cut on my close-up if you can't get the lines don't say anything. i'll i'll get there i had kind of had i think i only had the one line i just had to get to esteem and then go later yeah. um, <laughs> but I, I that was one of those uh funny
2: moments where <laughs> the, the character and the actor intermeshed and just i was like And was there talk of having you back eventually? Because, again, you were in season two, season three, and you walked away alive. Was was it the door was open for you to return?
0: I was always open to doing another Buffy. I had a lot of fun playing live.
2: Oh, well, I, I, we loved watching you. I don't know, Flink, were you a Buffy? Were I a didn't. Buffy? I didn't. So I, I'm
1: unfortunately left out of that, of that combo.
2: <laughs> but, but you know what? We are even bigger Generation X fans, Jeremy. And can you walk us, like, how did you first hear about Generation X? And, and what was the, what, what was the process like? Like, did your agent just call you up and was like, Hey, here's this movie. Tell us. Yeah, uh, we, we heard that it was
0: coming down the pike and and a friend of mine, uh who was a comic book freak kind of went oh my God I had a generation of- oh! so he filled me in on all the particulars um and I did uh, I put myself on tape and sent it out to Vancouver where they were shooting it and uh yeah I got the part and flew out to Vancouver and I, I, I don't know how long we were there but uh, I met Finola uh, right off the bat she and I got along like brother and sister. she's just a fantastic gal. Uh, I love her to death. Um, <laughs> there was a night I remember because <laughs> oh, I was 30 and the rest of the cast was like 19. <laughs> Fanola and I were, were the teachers. And uh, at one point, um, they said, Hey, man, let's go crazy. Let's spend some per diem tonight. We're going to go crazy. We're going to go to BK. <laughs> and it's like, we're, we, you, you want us to come for dinner where? We're going to go to BK, man. I was like, BK? What is BK? And they said Burger King,
1: <laughs> and party at Burger King.
0: Yeah, I looked at Fanola. She looked at me and said, "We're gonna beg off." And she and I went for sushi. We were in Vancouver, <laughs> like, like it's the sushi capital of Canada. And we're not going to go to Burger King to blow her yeah. diem. We went and had a nice, respectable meal of sushi. Um, that was so funny. Yeah. Oh,
1: uh. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you mentioned that you had a friend who was who was into the comics who sort of was like, you have to do this, you have to do this. So were you aware of of Banshee's cool costume with his cape and all of that? And was there ever like a, a moment where where you thought you were going to get to wear that costume or were you, did you push for that costume? You know, I I I started doing the research.
0: I discovered Banshee when I got the call, uh, so I started looking at him, and I I, I loved him. He was a uh, very irreverent, uh, funny guy, um, and, and the costumes I never know. Like it's, uh, uh, I actually wanted the turtleneck that I wore on set that had comic book patches on the sleeves. Mm-hmm. I I I begged them to give me that, but they had to hold on to it in case they needed reshoots. Um, and then there was uh talk of dyeing my hair red, which uh, got vetoed by the director, I believe. Um, and other than that, it was, uh, Oh yeah, that's actually, <laughs> so, so this is the actor's life. Okay. I get flown to Vancouver. Uh, and before I can even check into the hotel, they run me out to the wardrobe people. Yeah. Uh, and they've got these superhero outfits that, uh, for me to try on, and some of them are leather, some of them are rubber, some of their and this was back when I was a young man, and the warehouse you see before you was a temple, and I was young <laughs> and gorgeous. Uh, but you still, I'm are, standing Jeremy. in a room and to get these clothes on, I, I had to strip down, and then they gave me a dance belt. Oh, I, know I don't know, if you know what a
2: dance belt. is. Oh, we, okay. we know. <laughs>
0: okay, so for for the people in the audience that don't. It's basically dental floss up your bum and then a pouch for your package. Yep. And now I'm standing in a room with six women who I've never met <laughs> with this dance belt on as they start handing me clothes. And I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little, you know, it's like, oh, uh, I'm cracking some jokes and thing. And the funniest thing is they, they, there was no reaction from them. And then once I got the clothes on, there, there was like a beehive. They're running around tweaking things. And I said, here I am standing virtually 99% naked and you don't notice me. But the second the clothes are on, they went crazy. And they just all started laughing because they said, oh yeah, honey, we've seen it
1: all. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they have. The seamstresses of Hollywood, the tales they could tell. <laughs> so did any of those looks, did any of them involve a cape? Were you ever going to get the cape? I no, I never got the cape. I, yes. And I, yeah, too bad. That is oh, too bad. You would have really rocked that cape, but you did wind up rocking a lot of different vests. Do you remember how that look was settled on? Like why the vests were like the winner over anything with the cape?
0: I, you know, that was not uh, a decision
1: that I made, uh, but a decision they
0: made. And I would guess that a vest is much, much easier to control continuity wise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, A swirly, you have that. But now that you've told me the cape, now I want a cape. My actually, my ten-year-old has. uh, uh, We've been binge actually, we watched Generation X a couple weeks ago. They saw it for the first time. They're like, "Dad, that's you!"
1: Oh my gosh! Uh,
0: But he's been watching uh, a whole bunch of different stuff. And he was watching a Lon Chaney documentary, uh, "The Man of a Thousand Faces." And yeah. he's been walking around the house with a cape.
1: <laughs> well, we got to get you a cape now. Yeah. You're owed a cape for 25 years. You've been owed a cape. I'd love it, man. So, so obviously no cape, but uh, Banshee also, he flies. He, he uses his cape to fly. So I guess if you were never going to, to fly in the movie, it would make sense that you didn't have the cape. The, 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 you know, the general effects of that film is everybody's powers sort of generated a little wind. And of course, it actually made sense, you know, for, for you to have the wind machine behind you as you're doing your, your sonic scream. Was there ever a moment that you were gonna fly as well? Or was it always kind of limited to? You know what, the flying was never in the script. Mm. Not even in the script. Wow. No, and I
0: would imagine that uh, that would have been ruled out just production
2: cost wise. Yeah, because
0: uh, it was it was a no frills. You know, we
2: were yeah, as a shoestring budget. Yeah. So you had a friend. I just want to go back on what you were you were saying. You said you had a friend who was a big comic book person. Did you feel any pressure given the, the at the time Banshee was at the forefront? Generation X was so popular. Did you feel any pressure to get him right? You know, I, I can honestly say no. Um
0: I just jumped in both feet uh, uh, he's very close to my own personality um, and it was more the Irish accent that uh, uh, <laughs> the people over across the pond uh, probably laugh at it for uh, for me and my my sister actually lives in Dublin uh, <laughs> and her man Paul has uh, he's a bona fide Irishman Um so they think my accent is ridiculous, but here in uh, uh, North America, uh, it was passable.
1: <laughs> well, we bought I it. In, a, like, we've we've totally it. bought it.
2: You, you, you've I done a cowboy a, and an Irishman.
0: Well, I played a Cockney paparazzi in uh, the practice in the first season. Um, and uh, that's, uh, 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 I went to the audition and it was a, a, a paparazzi photographer and, I said, I thought it would, you know, would be funny if you had the cockney accent. And they said, let me hear it. So I take uh, I take this uh, this voice for them. Uh, and then they said, the guy said, uh, I actually have Scottish roots. Could you do that? I said, I'll give it three. Um, and then uh, I went to do something else and the casting agent and I said, I think Jeremy's done enough. And I said, No, 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 no. This 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 is the fun part of my job where you're like, I'll try this, let me try this. Um, and I, I got the call for the part. And I had to say, could you call them back and ask them which accent they want? And they, actually, <laughs> they ended up, it was kind of really cool, too. It was like uh, uh, it completely changed. They glued a piece of hair that came down my face halfway. Oh my like some sort. I, and I I, had no idea what they were doing, but the makeup person said, we're going to try this, and it totally changed everything about me. <laughs> uh, and I, I had a ride, and I remember, too, um, uh it was uh um uh oh, I'll get the I, I all I got is his son directed a bunch of cold cases. Um Jimmy Whitmore Sr. Mm-hmm. Uh James Whitmore, who played the um president of the Planet of the Apes. Um oh. he was the lawyer uh in the episode and he was um uh uh trying to uh, the, the storyline was he was starting to suffer from Alzheimer's mm. and would sometimes lose his place. So he was interrogating me and trying to get one over on me, but he kept losing his place. Uh, it was a really beautiful episode, but I remember at one point he goes, do you want to talk about this? Do you want to talk about that? Do you want to talk about this? And I said, actually, I, I prefer to talk about the Rolling Stones.
2: <laughs> uh, we got to, Got a good laugh from that one. Yeah. Wait. I have two splinter questions here. Did you for you could do so many great dialects? Do you, Do you have a dialect coach? Is that and and if you did, did you work with someone with Banshee? How did you master Banshee's voice? And did you have a moment where you put on the costume and you're like, "Now I'm Banshee"? I've always
0: had an ear uh, mm-hmm. for dialects. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played a Russian on uh, Without Borders CSI NCI. One of the suv shows they drive around in sports vehicles um mm. <laughs> but i've i've just had an ear for it and it's funny because i'm now seeing in my 10 year old son that he's got the same ear and i would say that um so much of the research was done in my childhood by watching warner brothers cartoons wow. uh all the accents that they had uh i i attribute like uh, um oh and i'm losing uh, it maybe this is a sign of my age, but I keep forgetting
2: names. No, Um, I forget names all the time. I don't remember anyone's name.
0: The man behind, uh, uh, who's behind the Warner brothers. Comics. Uh, Chuck, Chuck Jones. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. I I didn't even know his name.
0: Chuck Jones did more for my education. I would think like, um, accents, timing, classical music, uh, humor like all the different senses of humor and I remember watching a documentary on him that was really wild it was I can describe the scene too it's like you're in a second story hallway of an old uh, a western hotel saloon and you're looking through there's a billowing curtain and across the street you see walking across the street Bugs Bunny but he's walking with purpose because he's going to have a duel <laughs> and they cut to the guy he's going to duel with And then they cut to uh, a gap in between two buildings and you see Bugs Bunny walk through there. And then they cut and they cut and then they cut to Spielberg and Clint Eastwood. And they both kind of said the same kind of things of, we stole all that from Chuck Jones. And what you have to understand right now is he wasn't stealing that from anyone that came out of his head and he (sighs) drew it out. And then, put it in the animation yeah. so he built that tension that all future directors were, were, were borrowing from all the images in those chuck jones um uh, cartoons it's yeah. A, yeah. like when you think of the impact that guy had uh, and again i can attribute like you might rob it you might <laughs> when i put a match in there you might rob you might and we all <laughs> learned our accents from that show and then picking up different things and, and actually talking with people when I was traveling, it's kind of funny. Um, I uh, was over in Australia traveling around and um, uh, hooked up with a, an Irish gal. And one of the, one of the she tried to get me. She goes, "Luke, Luke." I'm going, "Luke, Luke, who?" And she was trying to say, "Look, like look at that, <laughs> And oh, and the other one, I think um, one of the phases that got me in was uh, uh, the Daniel Day Lewis movie about the Irish. Because um, he said, My father's face was all red. His face was all red. Red. And it was like red almost had three syllables. Um, <laughs> they're adding
1: red. syllables all over. And there's
0: another great line in that movie, too, where the Irish go to the Italians and they're asking for something. I just I, just, I can't remember the whole scene, but um, uh, the Italians kind of puff their chest out to say, uh, Are you threatening me? And this guy was just, and it was the calmest, coolest Irish. He just goes, I don't make threats. I just follow orders." An and it was chilling because this guy was saying in that that in that moment, I'm not threatening you. Like we just, I think he even's kind of said, like, we're we're gonna burn your house down with your family inside of it. And the guy said, Are you threatening me? He goes, I don't make threats. I just follow orders. It's like it's gonna get done. So we're not being tough guys about it. This is what we'll do. Um, but that was another kind of little, I don't make trets. I just found out Irish. Uh, that was another one
2: that got me into the Banshee mode, I guess. I, yeah. I love that. And I, I, I love your passion for the craft and, and just your energy and speaking with you right now. And one of the things that we found out when we were talking to Heather and Randall were the moments all of you guys had on sets. Like Heather was telling us that Fanola was kind of helping her with makeup because Heather was 19 having a skin problem. And Randall was talking about doing the football scene. I'm curious, do you have any, what was the vibe like on set for you? Do you have any special moments that you remember with, with your co-stars?
0: I know that Heather and I went uh, shopping. Uh, She was, we were the last two or like, we were there longer than anyone else. Uh, and one day we went, uh, went shopping second uh, secondhand stores picking out shoes and stuff we just had a riot I love her to bits and Fanola and I um, uh, we bonded through uh, Derek and Clive um, Derek and Clive is Peter Cook and Dudley Moore and they did these improv uh, comedy albums that are hysterical um, and I, on the very first day uh, again we're in our rubber outfits and she's got her her silver her silver outfit on and we're we're just kind of uh, g- getting in with the crew and getting in with everybody and there's um uh, a song that they do on this album uh and I'll and, uh, just gonna go with it I, I don't know what the swearing laws are or uh, we're, but, uh, away. we're away I,
2: we're, we're explicit okay. don't worry
0: well I started singing this and Finola joined in and the two of us did this. Uh, together, and it's when we kind of solidified our bond, but it's uh, 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 my dear little flow, I love you so, especially in your nighty, when the moonlight flits across your tits, oh Jesus Christ almighty, and we turned that into an East Coast jig, we would sing, uh, oh dear little flow, I love you so, especially in your nighty, when the moonlight flits across your tits, oh Jesus Christ almighty. Okay. And she was pounding a foot on the floor, dancing up when when, when you uh what do you talk to her? You gotta bring that up because she'll love it.
1: Um, oh, we will and and so let me just get this straight. She is in her Emma Frost costume with those ridiculous silver boots and that corset, and she's doing a jig while you're singing across moonlight across a pair of tits. When the moonlight flips across your tits and she laughed. And did you get that
2: on? It? She knew it. She knew <laughs> did, it verbatim. Did you get that on some yeah. kind of reel or? Oh my god! Or, or outtakes reel? No, I would. I, I'm speechless. I want that footage to exist somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it would
0: be liquid gold now, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, she was all right. And a, another, uh, another quote I remember her saying too was, "There was some ridiculous scene that didn't make sense, and she just said." Oh God, I just feel like we have to suppress our intelligence.
1: (laughs) We we
0: just, we just loved, that was a a favorite line. Uh, Ask her about
1: that one too. I miss her. I gotta, I gotta hunt her down. Oh, that is so incredible because that, that is such a, that just proves how right she was for that role because that is such an Emma Frost, like thing to say. That is perfect. I, I love that. I love that
2: what was I, I i'm just so curious like what was the end game with banshee and emma were were you guys like were they supposed to be written as lovers what what is their relationship in
0: your eyes uh i i would think they were probably going to do more of a moonlighting thing where i'm the playboy and she's just dis- borderline disgusted but we have a mutual respect for each other and we're very tongue in cheek it was more Yeah, I don't think there was going to be sexual tension uh, more so um, I would see, you know, she'd probably try and uh, uh, belittle any date I would have and I would probably try and out macho any man she could get and, you know, it would be that kind of relationship rather than anything um, 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 stoked with uh, uh,
1: hidden lust. (laughs) I think that's perfect, I think that perfect. But to be clear, that scene, that opening scene where she comes in and wake up lover, I mean, the chemistry was real. There was real chemistry there. But I really yeah. like your interpretation of that chemistry. I think that's a great interpretation of the Banshee-Emma relationship.
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 thanks for pointing that out, because it was, it, it was just, uh, yeah, that is, it's, it's perfect. I think I raised my eyebrow just to kind of give her like, you know, like the watch.
1: Right, like that's just that's just how she would wake you up. Just, that's how she'd wake anyone up. Just good morning, lover, or whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, that was such a hot scene. I was like twelve, and I, <laughs> I was like, my parents are like, "What are you watching?" It was, it was great. I, I have a question. So you mentioned that Stanley loved that you did like you know the gun the gun signals with your hands. Did you ever meet Stanley on set? Did you ever meet him years afterwards? Uh, I got invited to, um,
0: I didn't, I, I, I met him at a screening of Sergeant Rock, the David Hasselhoff. They did a thing down here for that. And I was literally walking through the crowd and I nearly, I, I, I came close to knocking someone over and I averted it at the last second. And I went, Oh, sorry about that. He went, no problem. And I went, Hey, wait a second. You're Stan like, what? <laughs> Uh and I always wanted to meet him. I I I always wanted to meet him but I never got a chance. I, uh yeah, that's a bummer cuz uh uh yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of all that he's done and accomplished in uh, Oh, yeah, 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 sorry, but, uh, but back to set stories too. At the rap party, <laughs> one of uh uh, uh 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 someone is in a part of the production. I won't say their name. But they got uh, uh, viciously ill. Oh. Uh, and uh, I, they were uh, on a vitamin regimen that went bad. Oh, so no. Beads of sweat and stuff. It was nuts. So, Matt Fruer and I, at the rap party, ended up taking this person to the emergency room. So, here is Max Hedrum and I. <laughs> in the emergency room uh, and it was like, it it was almost Terry Gilliam-esque. People kept kind of looking back and trying to figure out who we were uh, because we didn't fit in with the emergency crowd because the person we took was in the room. So Matt and I are just hanging there with another um, assistant from the show. And uh, (laughs) there was a woman in front of us kept looking back and she had one of those casts it was like a uh, her her forearm was cast and then there was a huge ball around her hand of cast so whatever she had done it did just it destroyed her hand and stuff
1: yeah.
0: and she says uh, uh, what's it? Uh, uh, oh I, uh, I I I hope I have it written down somewhere because uh, I'm gonna paraphrase it badly now but she goes like great right, I got this right in a fight and but i'm allergic to ibuprofen. Uh so they got this on me here. And 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 it was that loud and that kind of just like <laughs> hey i got this right. Hey uh. uh and and Matt and i were just like stunned. We had to kind of like it, it was one of those things where we were suddenly in the middle of a conversation with this woman after one line and we had to kind of go oh uh well, I hope you'll be okay. Like, I had no idea how to respond. It was, she was angry, but not angry at us. She was giving us information that really Indeed. didn't affect us at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were there for, I think, three hours, uh, which it was just a, a surreal experience. And Matt, uh, by the way, is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet uh, i loved him to bits
2: oh yeah yes. we wanted to we 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 had matt on our list but he's not taking interviews at this time sadly but oh
1: too bad we'll track him down one of these days but it 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 sounds like you you did manage to like forge some 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 friendships you know with the cast and i know that you guys were you guys were on hold for a while because I don't, you know, for our listeners who may not know, this was also sort of a backdoor TV pilot and it yeah. was hopefully going to go ahead to series and, you know, and talking to, to Heather and Randall, they, they mentioned that you guys were on hold for, for quite a while. How long were you guys on hold for generation X?
0: Uh, I, jeez, I can't even remember. I like, I came down to Los Angeles, uh, what that year I did, uh, flyaway home, the stupids, moonshine highway, and then generation X. And then I came down to the States, uh, and set up shop down here. Um, I actually ended up, I, I went in for Wolverine for the original X Men. Uh, wait, the original
2: X Men movie or the yeah. cartoon? Oh, the movie, yeah. the movie, yeah. What was the audition process like for that? Uh, <laughs> I
0: I went in, I was wearing, uh, I have these blue and white striped prison pants. <laughs> uh, and then just a denim jacket as a shirt uh, opened up. Uh, again, this was when the warehouse was a temple. Um, <laughs> and I, I kind of went in there full of all piss and vinegar saying, you know, I, the guy the it was Singer's producer partner. And he just said, uh, wow, you look like Wolverine. And I said, I am Wolverine. <laughs> I, said, I said, you have to understand, too. I'm from Canada. Wolverine is the only Canadian superhero. I said, and there's a whole different kind of mentality that you guys don't understand down here. I said, because when we, when we drop the gloves and throw down, uh, uh, it means something different. And uh, I said, I've also, I read the script. I said, not once does Wolverine say bub. And that's that's kind of... It's a homework. Me, that's it. You got to do it. One of my favorite Wolverine comics, he's in some sort of spaceship and he lands on some planet that's just all overgrown. And he's standing up on a rocket and these weird cavemen-looking creatures start coming in. There's, there's thousands of them and they start kind of walking towards him like, a mob. And he takes out his cigarette, lights it up says, what's going on, bub? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's Wolverine. I said, that's not in the script. What are you doing? And he's like, oh, you know, nothing. So like, I did the scenes. They called me back. And, and at one point, it pissed me off, too. He said, uh, OK, well, I'm the comic book fan. Uh, and he said, the one thing I have to do, um, I got to take. Uh, he stepped on the camera with me to prove how tall I was. And I remember trying To 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 get shorter because the other people read is
2: short. short. Yeah, how tall are you?
0: I I, I was six feet tall. Yeah, yeah. So I was trying to look as uh, small as
1: possible. Uh,
0: And then they went with Hugh Jackman, who's like six four. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I uh, uh,
0: you'll love this one because this is the process. I get a call for. One of the Lord of the Rings, I I don't know which one it was. It was they've done seventy five thousand of them. Yeah. I don't know which one this one. So they don't give you a script. They don't give you anything. They give you kind of a a mocked up piece of sides that you're going to go in with. And I get the the on the first page, I, I say I'm 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 the I'm the mayor of some town. And I say, what's that infernal racket? And he's, my assistant says. It, they're dwarves, sir. And I go, dwarves? And it's scripted. It says, we have not been dwarves here in the millennium or something like that. So uh-huh. I go, okay, I'm the mayor of dwarf town, and I don't like being called a dwarf. So I know they're going to CGI or do whatever that kind of make you a dwarf thing. Mm-hmm. But I was working out a little physicality to kind of like be a little punchy and a little yeah. And I, I worked on this and I worked on this and uh, I, uh, uh, I, it was like an hour drive uh, south uh, to this complex and nobody's in there. It's all glass. It's very futuristic, which is kind of funny for Lord of the Rings. You'd figure it'd be in a castle. But I go in, I get the audition and I go through the scene like, what is that infernal racket? Dwarves? We have not been dwarves here in an age. That's what, in an age. And I get through it, and they go, oh, um, there's a typo. I said, what? They said, "There's a. do you want to go again? There's a typo. And I said, oh, okay, w- what's the typo? And I said, it's not, uh, we haven't been dwarves, it's, we haven't seen dwarves. <laughs> Which changes everything! Well, and uh, They said, do you want to go again? I said, well, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> here, here I am, sir, thinking I'm I'm the mayor of Dwarf
1: Town and don't call me a dwarf. <gasps>
0: oh, we have not seen, seen.
1: <laughs> Dwarf. Jesus. It changes the entire perspective. <coughs>
2: it changes yeah. everything there. It so, cracked me up, man. It cracked me up. So wait, what, can you answer for us, what was the final reason that Generation X didn't get picked up?
0: In- no idea. No idea. Uh, and
2: that's that's not
0: uh, anywhere near my my pay grade, I guess. Like, those sure. are decisions that I, I have nothing to do with.
2: You know, Banshee is a father in the comics.
0: You know what? It's been, it's, it's been a while. I haven't done much Banshee research lately, so uh, I, I, my son might pick it up. Uh, he's become a big uh, uh, Wolverine fan, and he's also now um, he's obsessed with Tim Burton, uh, and he's, doing, uh, he's drawing the characters from all the different movies, which has been kind of cool.
1: Yeah, that is cool. Uh, so, so we you didn't have a daughter for Banshee on your radar when you when you were you know on hold for Generation X. But were you told you know like when you were cast for the for the film, were you told about any potential future plans? Like, did you know anything beyond what we got uh, in the film? Was there anything to your knowledge? Almost every project you do, they promise you. Oh
0: what well, either it's going to do great things for your career or there's a possible spin-off series yeah. there's a possible spin-off movie with just your character they 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 talk about this on almost every gig you do if you have a, a, any role of importance um and over the years I've learned that you just of I've learned to tune that out because mm-hmm. uh I, I, have I seen it happen <laughs> <laughs> Like the latest one I did, I don't know if you guys have seen small town crime oh my uh, God. i it's on my list I'll uh, 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 watch it. I'd love to hear what you think because uh, um, uh this this look uh, uh uh does my character great service. Um, <laughs> I'm a demented hitman uh, <laughs> and i I had so much fun uh doing that uh and again, that's one of the people are saying oh, shit, man, they got to do a prequel to find out where the fuck you came from. <laughs> um, uh, and I did. I had, I had a lot of fun. and uh, we, um, we got extra screenings at South by Southwest. We were a festival favorite. We were uh, number one, or sorry, top 10 in the New York Times and the Rolling Stones, 2016. The same guy, the Nelms brothers, they just did the movie Fat Man. Did you see that over Christmas?
2: Mm-hmm. I have not seen
0: Fat Man yet. Well, the premise of Fat Man is uh what if a kid hired a hitman to kill Santa? Uh, uh <laughs> and I've done two films with the Nelms brothers. They're 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 the future.
2: Uh that movie sadly, is totally up my alley. I'm gonna watch it tonight. <laughs> like that's uh, all well, I need. And sadly, uh
0: Fat Man watch small town crime and then watch Fat Man, and then you'll see that sadly My fucking role in Fat Man went to Mel Gibson.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, you know, we're huge fans of of Generation X and and we wish that it it had gone forward, but unfortunately it it didn't. But it sort of preceded this huge superhero like movie and TV show boom. And it's like looking back, it's like super ahead of its time. Why, Why do you think people are so excited about it now and they weren't then?
0: Well, my whole thing is
1: too. It's like, damn it!
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure just a little. We, bit. Just, we were just a little too early. Um, my, uh, it's sort of this is the story of my family. Um, uh, the Ratchfords had the tall ships in uh, uh, Nova Scotia on the east coast of Canada. So there, uh, I was shooting a pilot up in Toronto called Blue Murder, and a guy approached me. He said, "Are you of the Ratchford House?" And I said, "Well." I'm the eldest son of the eldest son, like going way back. And there's a bust of my great, great grandfather at Mount Allison. There's a burial ground and we did the lumber. You guys had the ships and there were two other families that kind of had the East coast. And then someone told one of my relatives, they said, uh, you should convert to steam. And he went, ah, steam, shmeem. Uh, and that's the way I kind of feel about generation X. <laughs> it's like, Yeah. We- we could have been right on the forefront of all that X Men madness, and we were kind of done and then forgotten. And then I get and I thanks for calling because I I had no idea there was a a, a, a mounting effort to 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 celebrate it because no I, I yeah know, I was, like, just watching this kids this ago.
1: film for us because we were at the time we were preteens when when Generation X came out and. We we are were fans of X Men, and there was just nothing in live action with with X Men. You guys were were it. So I recorded. I looked forward to it. I got the time, got the TV guide, recorded it, watched guy. it a million times. Like it meant it means a lot to a lot of people who are now probably in their mid thirties to to early forties because at, like like you said at the time, you were you were it. It was it. That's all we had. Jeremy, you're gonna you make don't... me cry. Jeremy, you don't
2: understand. When we were speaking with Randall, there, he was talking about how there are people who want to organize a reunion with all of you guys. Yeah. However, the problem is we, they couldn't find Suzanne Davis and Amaryllis. We actually found Suzanne Davis, and we've reached out to her, and, and we gave her contact info to to Randall, see if you get responsive. We haven't found Amaryllis yet, but it's because everyone loved what you guys did. You guys were ahead of the curve. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, we wouldn't have the X-Men we, we we got if it weren't for you guys being trailblazers. It's funny. Um, <laughs> on that level, too, um, I did a movie,
0: The Truth About Alex, uh, with Chachi. Um, <laughs> and uh, I play um, the asshole linebacker on a high school football team. And uh, uh, Peter Spence plays Alex. Uh, it was originally called Counterplay, but then they changed it to the truth about Alex, and it's it's about um, a high school receiver coming out of the closet uh, on a high school football team. And I'm the asshole uh, linebacker, and Chachi is the quarterback. Um, and I got down here, and uh, my manager uh, Eric Nelson, um, when when we met, uh, and uh, I met up with another uh, a friend of his. Uh, and the penny dropped for them. They went, "Wait a second, you're Dutch." And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." We watched that movie in a uh, uh, phys-, phys ed
2: class. Like it was used, it was being used as a teaching tool. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's next level. Like, how do you even? What does that feel like when you're an actor and it, things like that just go a different route for you? Well, actually,
0: years ago, too, there was a thing that came up, uh, 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 it was Nancy Reagan, I, I think we're in the Smithsonian in Washington, I don't know if it's still there, but we did this anti-drug campaign, and it was like a, a high school party, and um, you would choose the ending. So I was, uh, I was I, I'm the captain of the football team in this one. I'm a good guy and I'm at a party and someone offers me a cigarette and then they say, do you want to take the cigarette? And it's like, Oh, so if you take the cigarette the next day, I lose the football game because I'm, I'm out of shape. Uh, or if I take the beer, you know, it, bad things. happen. Someone gets in a car accident and it just kind of, every time you choose the wrong option, that the, the story that we had filmed two different endings for each scene kind of thing. Um, and that was another trip. that was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> We're now in an anti-drug campaign for the States being shot in Toronto. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Keanu Reeves was in that too. That was weird.
1: So we know that eventually, you know, the X-Men did go on to to success uh, on, on the big screen and, and Banshee actually was introduced in X-Men First Class, though he was not Irish, I, which was a, a total miss. Did you have you, seen, have you seen X-Men First Class? Do you have any thoughts on... Uh, you know what? I, I got to the point
0: with all those movies, they, they all started becoming the same one. Fair. Uh, and I think I, I put on a post, I can't remember when it was, but I, I just said uh, when, when the last one, got a billion dollars in its first weekend yeah. I put out a post that I just said hey uh uh x-men I, I I I believe that you saved the planet yet again uh and and your reward was over a billion dollars could you please be the true superheroes and invest that in the water system in Flint and yes. the education system for America like if they could just do that yes because uh, mm-hmm. but uh, as like I, I'm sad to say uh I got spider Man out. Uh there was just too many Spider-Mans that I was like, I uh, uh, they all seem to be yeah. the same movie. He's a little, you know, uh 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 and the the other funny one <laughs> with the Batmans, I don't know who Thanks. I don't know I don't know when the decision to make Batman go <laughs> our desk. I it's it just I'm a bigger fan, I think, of the original series yeah. for the, the camp villains. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think Lee Merriweather is still one of the sexiest women on the planet and still is, probably to this day.
2: Why do you feel that 25 years later, Generation X still speaks to X Men fans?
0: Uh you know what? I, I think I see it uh, I see it in my kids. Um, there's you know a pirate phase. There's uh, an army phase. There's a cowboys and Indians phase. Um, And then there's the superheroes. And uh, they generationally, like the comic books that I read, my kids can read and get the same thing. They're kind of, because they bounce around time-wise too. They're not all, you know, set in the 50s, 60s. They're all over the place. And I would think I, maybe I'm, I'm waxing philosophically, but um, uh, sort of like what I said. You know, you made a billion dollars. Could you be true superheroes and help us uh, help the education system? Like the, uh, I think in that land, it's like the Justice League or any of these things where they're they're there to 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 save uh, humanity uh, and to to support. Um righteous values um to be sympathetic uh to everyone uh and I think kind of what we well what we're what we're living through right now um the anger and the violence uh in America right now we really do need a good dose of good guys like if a, the more i see these camouflaged gun toting People going to Starbucks. It's like there's yeah. no, we don't need that, guys. No. And and if you're that afraid, then this land isn't free and brave. This is this 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 land is insane. And um and uh again, the, going back to the the X Men, like the superheroes, they 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 stand up for what's right. Uh, uh,
2: and I, I think
0: everyone needs a good dose of that.
2: Yeah, that's such a great thank you. That's a wonderful answer. Thank you so much for that, Jeremy. Like I said, we're, we 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 want to make sure we can get a reunion with you guys for the Gen X movie. Obviously, we 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 have tabs on everyone because you guys have been visible and and continuously working. The only one we can't find is Amaryllis. Do you have any leads on that? Do you have you heard about what happened to Amarillis since nineteen ninety six? Uh, I'll look her up on IMDb to see if there's anything there. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, not not we just we've hit a dead end with Amar. Um, we have everyone except Amaryllis. Wow.
0: Okay. I yeah. bumped into
2: Heather oh, at God. a UPS store. Huh. And, and <laughs> like I, what up Jubilee?
0: Yeah. That yeah, yeah, like, uh, was funny. She's, she's a Jeremy Ratsford. I'm like, Oh my God. Heather, God. She's gorgeous. Um, and uh, I bumped into Randall at bed, bath and beyond. <gasps> uh,
2: they were so great. They, they said nothing but wonderful things about you, by the way. I oh, mean,
0: they're, they're great. They're great people. They really,
2: they, so your name came up so much and, and you really would, they were talking about how you and Fanola were just really the leaders on set and they enjoyed working with you guys so much.
0: Yeah, it, it, I, it, I, there was definitely that kind of vibe. Um, uh, they were, they were all good kids and they were all kind of, you know, on their own in Vancouver. We were, we were the chaperones, but I'll never forget again that that be
1: gay and Fanola and I was like she's so like, excited for fast food.
0: Yeah. And Fanola's like, I'm going to be an adult. It's like, yeah, we're going for sushi.
2: <laughs> well, if you hear anything about Amarillas, please uh, hit us up. We're gonna we're we're trying to track her down to no
1: to no success.
0: Well, I've played a cop enough on television. Maybe I can put my
1: resources to work. <laughs> You're practically a cop at this point, right? (laughs) Oh, I tell you,
0: that's another funny one. I I was up in Toronto and sitting on the subway and someone goes, how you doing, officer? I was like, "Mm, I look like the TV cop. You wouldn't know a fucking undercover cop. (laughs) Oh, that's
1: ridiculous. Jeremy,
2: thank you. So you've made our day. Thank you. Yes, thank you so very much. But today we are going to post the message of you saying vote for Banshee because the voting ends tomorrow. Oh, perfect. We want Banshee to win. Yes.
0: <laughs> As I said, unfortunately, I think now I'm going to be playing the uh, the hobbled uncle of any superhero that comes up now. Are there any 55-year-old white-bearded?
1: I'm sure. Men? If there aren't, we'll, make, we'll, we'll get them to to create one just for you in the Marvel Universe. All right. With that being said, I'm the Uncanny Dayspring. And I'm the Adjectiveless Flinkman. Peace out, y'all. Uh-huh.